0: Hey, good morning, everyone. Glad to see you here. Let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you so much for this offering this morning of this church building, of, uh, of the message that we're going to receive, that you've ordained this time for us to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth here together as the body of Christ, representing what it means to be united what it means to come together in love and fall before you and uh, just absorb some of your life through your word. We just pray that you're in this message that Nick's about to bring, uh, that he lets the truth of your holiness, your grace, and your mercy flow through that and whatever he presents. We know that you have brought us together this morning in this way. To hear this word this morning, and we know that in each of us it may impact us a different way, but we know that your power uh, to influence us through that is, is here, it's true, and um, we just pray that we are prepared in our hearts and our minds, our spirits, for what you're about to offer us this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thanks, Brian. Hey, guys. How are y'all today? Good, good. I am so glad that you guys are here. So thanks for coming. We are, if you've been doing this with us, we've been going through this series of places, people, things that have happened in the Bible. Real things, real places really happened at a real point in time. And today we go after the Roman Empire. That's, um, that's a treat, I think. It is what a cool deal. Rome was huge. They they Started conquering the world as they saw it. They have a cool map over here. You can see this map of the Roman Empire. We've got northern Africa, the Arabian Peninsula, going up around all the way over to Europe. And so it's this huge empire um, that all started in that little peninsula that looks like a boot. I learned that in first grade. Uh, Italy is that peninsula with the boots. Anybody that doesn't know that, that's that 's italy and uh, and i wasn 't sure if it was Florida or Mexico or Italy for the longest time, yeah, but i I just learned that I just remembered it but but Rome is right there in the middle of that peninsula, and it spread out and went all over what they conser- considered the modern world they were they were conquerors. They had a big, mighty army. They were builders. They, bit, they built aqueducts. They built arenas. Big, you guys are familiar with the Colosseum. They, they built that. Um, they were able to carry water for thousands of miles through their, their aqueducts that they built. And they were able to sustain a lot of people in one little place. They were very big on, on entertainment, the Romans were. They had, They had. Uh, they, it's where we got a lot of the theater, a lot of the Shakespeare type stuff, um, and not that they necessarily invented it, but they did pursue it and develop it. And they're also famous for the gladiator games, which was a little bit more brutal than, than we would like to, to imagine, but where people would go in and fight to the death. And the upper class, they thought this was great. It was amusing to them. Um, so it kind of shows you a little bit of the, the ugly side of Rome, if you will. It, they, were, they were conquerors. They went over and they they took this land they, they thought they were a superior um, country, a superior people, and so they actually thought they were doing a uh, historians uh, historian recorded they thought they were doing everyone a favor by conquering them and and bringing the Roman way to them that that says a lot about what Rome was probably like and and how they ruled and governed the the surrounding lands that they they took over and and in doing so, they, they had to establish what is law, what is rule. And one of their big things was that Caesar, the Caesar, the king, the, the ruler, he is God. What he says goes. If you say anything against Caesar, you're out. They, they ruled with a very heavy hand. In fact, most of them were slaves. 90% or so was, was the number that I remember hearing. I didn't check that for sure, but a majority of the people living in Rome, especially, and, uh, were slaves. And they, it, their cruelty and punishments and crucifixions and torture was, was well known. Many of their inhabitants obeyed Roman rule because the alternative was often too horrible to consider. Now, you might notice from the map that there are a lot of of, uh, cities, countries, continents, towns with names similar to Bible stories. Ephesus, Ephesians, Corinth, Corinthians, Thessalonica, Thessalonica, Philippi, Colossae, um, all places where we got biblical, um, we get some really neat books and letters Paul wrote to these people. That is, Paul would visit these people. Paul would do. We talked about him last week. And so there were Christians living in this world. There were Christians living in the world. It was under harsh rule of Caesar is God. What Caesar says goes. And of relatively, uh, maybe barbaric punishment. Um, and so Paul, as we learned last week, he was a bit of a crazy man. Mr. Bill talked about Paul and how he was on his way to Damascus. He was in Jerusalem in the purple there, and he went up to the red, Damascus. He was going there to kill Christians, because he hated Christians. And on the way, Jesus stopped him, appeared to him, and said, "Hey, what are you doing?" And he said, "Well, who are you?" And he says, "I'm Jesus. I'm the guy you're you're coming after." And he goes, and so Paul like. He saw the truth. He saw what was real, and he saw, oh, that is that, that was God. Jesus coming, that was God. So he, where he was going just to Damascus to, tell, to kill people worshiping and serving God, now he ended up, now that he knew about God, he went all the way around that Roman Empire telling people the truth, trying to share with them the truth, what he had discovered, the light and the promise of, of this amazing thing that was nothing like the Roman world that has taken everyone over at this time. Pretty neat stuff. So he actually wrote us a letter about that. And so these Christians, it was very hard to be a Christian as Paul was doing all these things. And this this guy, he was a historian named Tacitus, and I, I'm probably using his name wrong, but he he recorded what life was like for the Christians during a period of, period of time here in Rome. Um, to, so this was, this was about uh, 60 AD or so when Emperor Nero was in charge, and to stop the rumor that he had set Rome on fire, Nero falsely charged with guilt and punished with the most fearful tortures, the persons commonly called Christians, who were generally hated for their enormities. Christus, Christ Jesus, the founder of that name, was put to death as a criminal by Pontius Pilate, procurator of Judea Judea, and the reign of Tiberius. But the pernicious superstition, repressed for a time, talking about Christianity, broke out yet again, not only through Judea, where the mischief originated, but through the city of Rome also. Whether all things horrible and disgraceful flow from all quarters, he's, he's saying that about Rome as to a common receptacle and where they encouraged. According, so Christianity emerged in Rome, he's saying. Accordingly, first those were arrested who confessed they were Christians. Next, on their admission, on their information, a vast multitude were convicted, not so much on the charge of burning the city as of hating the human race. So this was the Christians were being conv- convicted and, and in many cases tortured on the charge of hating the human race. In their very deaths they were made the subjects of sport, for they were covered with the hides of wild beasts and worried to death by dogs, or nailed to crosses, or set to fire, and when the day waned burned to serve for the evening lights. That was a Roman historian born about in the sixty AD. So he's writing about something that that was happening around the time he was born, maybe a little bit after. So life for a Christian was was not easy. It was actually very hard to be a Christian in Rome um, at this time. And Paul, we're going over Romans, the, the letter Paul wrote to Rome in this time. What did he write to these Christians? What did he do to these? What, what did he share? What was his purpose? And, and I think we, we can really benefit a lot from this. You see, Paul was a crazy man. <laughs> we, we, we discovered that. It wasn't about him anymore. It could have been from Lucy. It could have been from Susie. It could have been from Ben. It could have been from Joey. It could have been from anyone, but the thing was Paul was making his life about Christ. When he discovered Christ, it wasn't about him anymore. He lived in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved him and gave himself, who, God, who Jesus gave himself for Paul. And Paul says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So he is writing to the Christians in this Roman world to tell them about the gospel of grace, to tell them about God and what he has done. Because Paul was also confused and missing it. And to reveal the love that God has for us and for them, a sacrificial love, a love that, that this world knew nothing about. And to show and encourage us in this walk to know God, to to understand the truth with warnings, to watch out for our own temptations, but also others trying to steer us away. Because Rome, it was a crazy place. They, they were, as they took over this entire world and ruled it with such a heavy hand and made Caesar the God, they also adopted many other gods so they worshipped the sun, they worshipped the stars, they worshipped the ocean. The, they worshipped so many different gods. It was a melting pot, and you would get to pick. Like, well, this is what I do, this is what I pick, this is what I prefer. And so you could let, you would, it probably wasn't uncommon to come up to someone and say, hey, what god do you worship? And they'd say, oh, I worship uh, the god of war. Is that Mars or something? And so you would know that person's a warrior. They like to fight and they like to battle. Or, um, or I, I worship the god of love. And, and so you would know this person was a... Uh, was was someone who pursuing things that made them happy, made them feel good, things they enjoyed, and and on and on. I think it was twelve main gods with a bunch of different ones scattered, and so they they had this this big melting pot of of beliefs, and not all of them were found, very few of them probably they weren't founded on anything, <laughs> and 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 so what does a Christian say about this place? You know, what does a Christian say to to other Christians living in a world of very proud people. Remember, they built all these things with their hands. They had, they had a huge army. They were ruling the world. They thought they were really great. And the first thing Paul did was, was kind of comment on their world. He, he says, yeah, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. So he, he's letting the Christians know, yeah this, this is you're seeing all this craziness. well, they've rejected God and, and they're, they've lost their their way, they've lost their focus, and they have no plumb line any longer, they have no baseline any longer and so, that, so he's lets them know that, and one thing that I, I hope you might be starting to understand is or see maybe is there's a lot of similarities between Rome and and where we live, and what we're doing, and what we're seeing going on around us. There was a study done, uh, it's 2017, I think, I, I can't remember the date, I should have it, written it down, but there's a group of people called the, um, it's, it's Arizona Christian University, the Barna Research Group, they go around, and they, they sit down and talk to people who are willing to talk about their beliefs, and, and they, they do these huge studies that take years, and they, they interview just hundreds, and I think 200,000 people as part of this one, I can't remember, and they, they did a study, and their results were, they were talking to Americans about their, about their beliefs, most of them uh, professing Christians, most of them claiming to be Christians. In total, almost 9 out of 10 U.S. adults, 88% have an impure, unrecognizable worldview unrecognizable world that is a blending of ideas from multiple perspectives. That doesn't sound too un- uncommon. Rather than developing an internally consistent and philosophically coherent perspective on life, Americans embrace points of view or actions that feel comfortable or seem most convenient. These beliefs and behaviors are often inconsistent or even contradictory, but few Americans seem troubled by those failings. If, if you're having a conversation with someone and you point something out and then you're like, well, that just doesn't quite make sense. How do you reconcile that? Or can you give me $100 to, to I'll, I'll give you $100 if you can give me three facts to support what you believe. And it's like, "Ah, I don't know, whatever. I think it's right. And that, that's where you get to. And, and that's kind of what they're saying. And Paul goes on to, to first still continue to describe the Roman world to, to offend the Romans, if you will. Um, but he's doing it out of love and we'll see that soon. They traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. They, they worshiped the moon. They worshiped the sun. They worshiped the ocean. They worshiped these things. They worshiped love, which they really didn't even have any clue what love was. That's funny. Not funny. That's ironic. And that's why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. They lost their focus. They lost their plumb line. A plumb line, by the way, is something you would use to say, am I straight? You would run a, a straight line across a concrete floor, for example, and you would know as you're putting tile in, am I straight staying along that line? And, and they lost their plumb line. They, they rejected God. They were worshiping sun, moon, stars, fake gods that could do nothing for guiding their lives. And so God abandoned them to their shameful desires. And it goes on to talk about just, for one, the sexual immorality that came from it. And since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking. Let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. So so a lot, of my, a lot of my kids are in the back over there. They're not my kids. They're kids that I get to hang out with every Sunday and Tuesdays and some Thursdays um, or whenever they just show up, uh, which is never enough. Just kidding. It's too much. Um, but you guys, think of and other, other people in the school system. All you guys in the world at all, you see this and you're like, wow, you know, this fits. This fits. So Paul wrote this letter to the Romans. He's writing this letter to us also. However, we are not being persecuted like the Roman Christians were. So our excuses and our fears are perhaps different, which is really quite neat. And, and Paul is sharing this not in a domineering, trying to dominate you way. He's sharing this as someone who, who was in this boat, who was in this seat of, of missing the truth. And pursuing something very hard and very aggressively that wasn't God. And then God said, hey, that's not me. And Paul listened. He responded. <laughs> and, and now Paul knows this joy. He knows this peace. He knows this power. Not power to go and knock the Romans' heads off. But this power that is beyond anything he has ever seen or heard or understood. And he wants to share that with other people. He wants to share this love. He doesn't, want other, he doesn't want everyone to continue on this path that leads to destruction. So he is ready and willing to say some really hard stuff to these people, to the Romans, and, and also some encouraging stuff to the Roman Christians and to the Christians everywhere. Because we want to work together with you. This is what he said. So you will be full of joy. For it is by your faith that you stand firm, not by your power, by your faith. This is neat. So here we go. (laughs) This is Paul's letter to the Romans. This is exciting. The, The first thing he does is he explains the gospel. He explains the good news. You know, even though life seems a little funny and rough, there is good news. There's great news. He doesn't start it off the way you would think he would. would. And nobody, especially the Romans, like to hear this. He had just went through that list, that list in Romans one, which a lot of the people, even Christians who were who are just now coming to the point of seeing, wow, Jesus is real. They look at their lives and they say, wow, a lot of those things fit my life. And then Paul follows it up because we're in Romans two. We just finished Romans one, and if he follows it up and he says god in his justice will punish anyone who does such things and and a lot of people might think a lot of the romans probably thought well look how great we are look at everything we've done we've done god's not hasn't punished us god's not everything we're doing is great look at all this affirmation i have that what i'm doing is right and good and awesome look at all the money i have look at this big building i built uh, you you make the you you can fill in the list but he's saying but But no, not yet. Because God loves you. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? That's what he says. Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. That's that's how he starts. (laughs) He crushes us. But... And so a lot of us will want to check out now. Uh, a lot of them wanted to check out then. It's like, well, this is what I've been doing my whole life. This is the way I am. This is just it. I might as well give up and go. And, and he says, no, not yet. <laughs> we still have a chance. Because no one can be made right with God by the things they've done. Nobody can earn heaven. It is simply something God has done. The law and the rules, they show us. God's standard shows us how far we are from that standard. God's, God's love, the Ten Commandments, it's not meant as something that we, uh, okay, that's what we do to earn heaven. No, it shows us how much we need God, and we, and we can, we know that. We don't necessarily need the Ten Commandments to know that. We see the negative, ugly stuff in the world around us, in our hearts, as, as we go forward doing it our way. It says, but you, and me, I, we still have a chance because we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For We have all sinned. We've all screwed up. We all fall short of this glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. When he sent Jesus, God on the ground, as Caden would, would, would quote it, he sent God on the ground to live here, to show us, to teach us, to tell us, to perform miracles, and then to die for us so that we could be made right and freed from our sin. So it's not too late. We know the sin. We know the lie, the things that it does to us. And, and he says, don't let it control the way you live. You don't, don't give in to those sinful desires because Jesus has, has brought us and made us free from those consequences he's talking to these, to the, these Christians who, are, who say, okay, let's do this, and, and struggling with what about this life I've lived before? What about these things I've done before? It's not too late. You can be free. But don't you realize that you became a slave of whatever you chose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. You are free from the slavery of sin, you, you think about, like, well, I'm not a slave to anything. And, and if you think about being controlled by some of your bad habits, some of your preferences, some of your desires, somebody can push a certain button and you are going to fly. You're going to, maybe not all of us, some of us. Uh, I, there are certain things, triggers, that, that I would have. that If somebody did something just right, I would get so mad on the inside. And that starts to control us as we start to lash out in our anger. Or our ambition, our I want to get this, I want to do this. So we will adjust our lives. We will live our lives to, to achieve what we want to achieve. We're slaves to that goal. Whether it's money, security, cars, we are driven by these things, by our nature. And we're so wrapped up in ourselves and our stuff and the things we're trying to do that we forget about God. So we're not really obligated to obey God when we're rejecting God. We have, we're putting no emphasis on following God. But now, talking to the Christians, now that you want to pursue God, now you're no longer obligated to follow your sinful desires. You're, and now you're free from that power of sin and have become slaves of God. They, they, they could understand this, because remember, a lot of the Roman world was slaves. They understood what he was saying of, of living your life a little differently And, and now that we have made ourselves slaves of God, He has made us friends of His. He has brought us in to where He reveals things to us, where He guides us, where He directs us. He's not, he's not up high. Remember, Jesus came, God on the ground for us to live with us. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came just at the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most of us, we wouldn't be willing to die for an upright person but he died for us while we were, were absolutely just helpless and unable to, to, to do anything close to this that is worthy of, of God's awesome deal because it's not the same as this world. So since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Isn't that cool? That, that love that Jesus showed us, that self-sacrificial love, that's, that's real love that we know so little about. This is one of my, I could, we will waste two, not waste, we will spend two hours in a group session talking about love with, with some of the kids and, and it's so hard to comprehend this self-sacrificial love because it'll make, we could sacrifice our donut and make ourselves feel good. Look, I sacrificed my donut for that kid and yeah, that was really cool of me. That's not self-sacrificial love. It is really a hard thing for us to understand and how it's just a gift. And it was so hard for the Romans to understand this. And so we, we could start to get a little overzealous now in this situation because we don't quite get how it's just a gift. If, if you give your kids a gift, what do they do? Do they say, oh, thank you so much. I'm going to go be really good so I can earn this gift. Whose kids have said that? I want to know. <laughs> All right, good. Good, I just want to make sure because um, I want to know what you're doing. Um, anyway, kids know how to receive a gift. They really do. This is a gift. But what we often do is we're like, "Oh wow, God is! I think God's real. This is really. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go be like God. I want to go and know God. And now I'm gonna earn my salvation. Now I'm gonna do all this stuff. Now I'm gonna get up really early. Now I'm gonna pray on my knees. Now I'm gonna pray a hundred times a day. Now I'm gonna. You make the list, and and so we we start to get a little overzealous, and and he's 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 trying to reiterate. This is a gift from God. So, so calm down. <laughs> I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. This is where we get a lot of our, our, our false teachers sometimes. They, they hear about God. They see this real love and they start to go run on their own preferences. They, they, they saw this amazing thing and now they're trying to own it and run it for themselves. And a lot of us do this on ourselves too in our, in our own lives. Because we still don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, we cling to our own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. But that's not it. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Declaring your faith that you are saved. Remember what, what Paul said about um, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, that, that, that's what he's talking about declaring your faith. If you, if you raise an American flag in your front yard, you're declaring allegiance to America. When you imitate Jesus, you declare your trust and your faith in God. Because we belong to Jesus, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in your old life. Don't participate in the anger and the sexual morality and the drunkenness. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and let yourself think about ways to indulge. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. This is where it starts. This is where it starts. I want to imitate Christ. This is the declaration. So, so how do we imitate Jesus? We, we can't be crucified as Jesus was. That was a one-time thing done for all of our sins. There were other crucifixions, yes, but there was only one crucifixion of Jesus for all of our sins. So that is that is out of our out of our hands, out of our way. So what do we do? Being a martyr just for the sake of being a martyr, that's that's not God's will necessarily. That's not desired by God. But Paul doesn't leave us. He still keeps going, keeps telling us. He says, and so Give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. So, so now when you go forward, when you go do these things, when you're working, when you're at home with the kids, when you're, when you're out playing, when you're out at the gun range, when you're out on the soccer field, wherever you are, when you're at school, live your life as Jesus did. Follow his guidance and his directions for you. And while you're doing it, understand Jesus's heart as he went through this, because you will have a lot of heart tugs, if you will, or what would Ronnie call it last night, a gag reflex. So there's a movie, uh, forgive me for doing this, everyone, called Ratatouille. Two rats are in a trash can eating trash, and, um, and the old rat says to the young rat, it's not so bad once you get over the gag reflex. And so they're eating the trash and "Oh gross," and the other rat says, "Yeah, once you get past that gag reflex, it's not so bad. Well, let me tell you this, as you try to do Romans 12, there is going to be a gag reflex. What? I've got to forgive that? I've got to forgive that person for doing what?" Or, "I've got to be nice to that," or "I can't do that anymore." There is a, a gag reflex, a struggle. And our heart often will will have some negative feelings towards people and and sometimes maybe even towards God until we start to have the heart Jesus had. And, And you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being and then humbled himself to this most degrading, most painful death, most public death at that time. And what did he say? He, he made it clear that his human life, even his preferences as the son of God, weren't what mattered. Do you think he, he became human, understand, so he could feel that pain. Do you think his preference was to go through that pain? No, but did he love us more than, than that? Was his nature a self-sacrificial nature, and nothing could stop that, because that's what he was there for? Yes, Is that the heart he's challenging us to start to enter into? Absolutely. And Jesus, before he died, told us this in fewer words than all these other guys did. He said, if you cling to your life, if you try to hang on to your ways, your preferences, what you like, what you don't like, you're going to lose your life because you're still trying to do it on your own. You can't make a Christian life. But if you give up your life, if you imitate me, then you will find your life. This is hard. This is really hard. Because as you do it, things get harder. But Paul gave us a lot of encouragement. He, he knew what was going on. And remember, he's telling this to people who are being killed for being Christians, for trying to help people, for telling people, hey, there's a real God out there. Think about the people he's saying this to, who are being burned at the stake people who are being put in, in the gladiator arena with nothing and wild animals it, it, for sport. And he's encouraging them to, to not stand up and, and fight. He's encouraging them not to stand up and fight the Romans. He's encouraging them to stand up and, and pursue and know God. To know God he 's encouraging them to know God better, just as you accepted Christ, let your roots grow down deep into him, get to know God, read your Bible they didn 't have a Bible at the time, but they had, they had the they were starting to get a lot of that, some of the writings from Mark right and then but they had the Old Testament they had the Old Testament a testament of god 's love god 's power god 's abilities, and then they had the signs they had they knew about Jesus this was right after it happened it obviously didn 't happen in a the Roman world was aware of Jesus, whether they referred to it as a superstition or what. So he, they were aware. He, and he said, run to this. find, Because Christians were out there being burned at the stake because Christians were out there trying to share the message. So go learn the message. Talk to each other. Learn about God. Walk with God. Do it. It says, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, rather from, than from Christ. When someone does something really cool and big, people will try to jump on that. And they'll try to turn it into something it's not. And, and, and try to spin it off onto something else. We see it all the time on, on spin-offs, And he's warning them about that. He's saying... Follow this God that you saw. Follow this love, this power that you saw, but watch out. And and walk with God. Learn and open yourself up to the truth that you see from the Old Testament that many of you were taught as kids. And and many of us, we, we have the Old and the New Testament. We have it there to pursue it. To to come in to to read the Bible to get to know God to join groups to to go out and actually walk and serve Him whether it's at in our jobs or at or in like a, on a mission opportunity whether it's Mission Ridgecrest here or any of the things the other guys are doing or whatever pursuing imitating Jesus through through serving Him but whatever you do whether it's at your job at home remember you're you're doing it for Jesus. You're not doing it for the Romans. You're not doing it for your boss. You're not even doing it for your wife or husband necessarily. You're doing it for God because he's put you there at this time in this place. In, in all of the history of the world, he has put you in this place at this time. It's not an accident. So what you're doing is, is working for him. Work willingly at it with this attitude and this love and this joy and this gentleness that he's shown you. So clothe yourselves with this tender-hearted mercy, this kindness, this humility, gentleness, and patience. So as you're going on at work, dealing with very hard, very difficult people, at home, um, well, I can only speak for my wife. She deals with a, a one very difficult person. He's the biggest kid you've ever met. Somebody laughed because you know I'm talking about me. So. Um, but go forward with patience and gentleness. And if somebody's telling you to do something ridiculous, okay, do it with love. You're not doing it for them. You're doing it. God knew this was coming, and he's put you there for a reason. So do it with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Forgive that person. There's a gag reflex for you. Think about someone that you don't want to forgive and you really struggle with it. That that's where we get to die. Where, where Jesus says, um, "If you're trying to hang on to your life, you will lose it." This is where we get to die. Where He's talking about um, being forgiving and gentle and humble and and forgiving each other. This is where we pick God's way over our way. And, this is where we imitate and declare our faith in God, because we will be a doormat. He knows that, and and we He also tells us be ready for a struggle. And I'll remind you again, the Roman world. He's telling this too. Is has it a lot harder than we do? And Jesus, before he got there, he says, "Look, I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. You're going to be exposed. You're going to be a doormat. It's not going to be easy. You know, it's really just it's going to be hard." So be smart, be aware, know the truth, know me, not me, but know God. Know what the Bible says, know what God says, and, and yeah, you're going to be handed over to courts and flogged with whips in the synagogues. You'll stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers, because you are a Christian, but this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and unbelievers about me. So when people know you're a Christian, you're a target. If you say, "I'm not going to do this," or "I am doing this," or 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 whatever, because you're a Christian, you will be a target, and people will come after you and try to poke holes in it because your faith bothers them. And that is just so. But that is your opportunity to show them something different. I, I like to share this one time at work when I was getting yelled at because um, something happened and, and, uh, and I was blamed for it. And, and I, I, he was yelling at me really good. And uh, I really like this guy too, which is why I can share it. And, um, and I, I, had my, I was hearing all of his arguments and I had my list ready to come back at him. I was like, well, no, that was, well, that was you. You did that. And then, well, had you done this like you were supposed to do this? And then so I had my list of my nonsense. And he got done and I was about to. And I, oh. I said, i I'm sorry. You're right. I really like that. And, and I've gotten to share my faith with this guy several times. So they see something different. It's an opportunity when you get persecuted or when you get called out or poked at. And he's warning you it's going to happen. So be ready so that you can declare your faith by imitating me. And, and he also says this comes with help. Because we are in a very uncertain world, a very uncomfortable world sometimes. Because Christians in the world are, are, it's different. We live in a Roman world. And he goes on for our comfort. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. So as you as you are going and doing this, he is confident that you will also know and start to see this comfort, this power that God has brought. And we can rejoice when it gets hard. We can rejoice when we start to struggle with what's going on because this develops endurance and that develops strength of character and that strengthens our confident hope of salvation. You know, personally, my faith has grown every step of the way as I start to trust God in a new area of my life. You know, my, my faith in, I used to be a skydiver for several years, several, eight, I don't know, 4,000 or so jumps. If I jump 200, 300, 400, I started to have some faith in my parachute. And, and that, oh, it'll probably work. As I started to trust God in the little things and imitate Christ, my faith grew. So now when things get hard, we can actually be excited because we know we are going to know God better as a result of it if we are imitating Christ. If we try to take it and make it on our own, we will know God less, our faith will, will get worse, and then we will start putting our faith in humans and things and we will start to miss this great, big, awesome truth that's before us. And Paul is encouraging these guys with all of his heart and all of his might not to put it in their own hands, but to continue to pursue God even when it gets hard. And hard could just mean, I really want to do this thing that I know I shouldn't do if I'm imitating you. Sometimes that's hard, a temptation, a desire. And, and as we continue on to those things, he will change our hearts, And just fill our lives with his love. Because as you pursue Jesus, as you pursue imitating God, your life is going to get harder. Because we're naturally not like God. He created us really awesome and really neat, but nothing is close to his great, amazing power. He created us to need him. And when we are walking with him and trusting in God and and imitating Christ, he will fill us with power that brings so much love, so much joy, so much peace, so much self-control that, um, wow, but without God, we are, we're just missing him. And we can't handle that difficulty that we would see as we start to pursue God. There will be pain and, and there will be a lot of strain associated with doing it. He knows that. He knows what they're going through. He knows they're watching their friends be tortured. And, and for us, he, here and now, he knows that we are struggling with how to, to play this out if we desire to. And he knows that many of us are tempted and currently taking and picking and choosing. And he says, don't do that. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss it completely if you do that. Because everything Jesus said did not suggest a melting pot of, of beliefs. Everything he did suggested there is one way. There is one sustaining God. And, and while that might sound too narrow-minded, there, it's, just, it's true. Something is either black or it's blue. And, and in this case, he's saying, here is the truth. And the truth is, That God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. And when we see that, it is so blinding and so overwhelming. What else would we do but try to imitate Christ and give him our lives? That is, why wouldn't we do that? Jack has got this figured out. He will struggle and struggle with something, and if I come stand next to him, he'll look up at me. He'll hand me whatever he's doing and say, I need your help. And he's like, yeah. And so when we look to this God who created us, when we give it up and submit it to him, not with this, this, and this, because that's not giving it up to him. He will make this light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory. We can know this real awesome deal. That's just fine. That is his letter to the Romans. That is his letter. And I encourage you all to, to read it because the, the words in the Bible are way better than, than a lot of the ones I said. But anyway, but that is the letter he wrote to the Romans and the Christians in the Roman Empire who were uncertain, who were struggling, who were like, well, these guys are doing it this way, these guys are doing it this way, these guys are doing it this way. He explained the gospel. He explained our need for God and on our own and what our sin and the results of our sin are. And then he explained the, the truth of it's just God who did it for us. And us following, imitating Christ with our lives is us believing and declaring that he is God. And with that comes a joy, a happiness, a peace that the world will try to crush. But do not worry because God is uncrushable. Cool stuff. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly, perfect, awesome, only God, thank you so much for bringing some of your light here today with your word, with your love, with your joy. <laughs> Things that we, we aren't capable of, of truly harnessing on our own. But thank you that you bring it to us anyways in your kindness, in your love, in your desire to reach out and, and take care of your creation. May we all see that and run with the desire to to know you, to love you, and to imitate you with our lives. Thank you so, so much. Amen.